2: So we've got a couple of things to get to today and one of them is something that I've heard from a lot of people. Uh, over time, and as a matter of fact, I've already started it because uh, we're going to talk about beginning a sentence with the word so. We got a note from a listener named Tom uh, who asked about this, and he says it seems it's now common to use the word so as a lead in, usually when answering a question. So a question like, how did you get interested in theater? And the answer might be, so as a child, my parents took me to shows often. He wants to know, is this now viewed as something that's correct? And he says uh, he, you know, it doesn't really add much value, uh, except that it sounds a little more conversational. He admits that he does it sometimes, but he has a friend who is driven crazy by it. Certainly there are a lot of people who are driven crazy by it. I'm curious about your opinions, uh, because I have a very strong one on this. And also if you know why this developed and, and how long it's really been around.
1: First of all, it's been around for a very long time. I mean, when we poked around, I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the last line in Great Gatsby is so we beat on boats against the current. It's certainly not a new thing. I think people are noticing it more now, possibly, but it's certainly not new. Although the question does arise. I mean, there's been, there have been a lot of
0: a, there's a lot of conjecture about this H- has so as an opener uh been used like occasionally in the past but much more frequently now or has it always been at a relatively similar level and there's we can go on and on about this and there's a lot of debate a sort of uh rather uh energetic linguist tried to go in the past (laughs) and (laughs) and he, he had the conjecture that if so is used more frequently now as what's called a, uh, it's it's uh, as a conjunction, a is a discourse marker. If it's used at the beginning, more now, that means probably things like um, well, etc., were used, uh, are now being used less frequently. He found no difference. In other words, there's probably, according to him, no difference between so being used initially now as there was in the past. However. And I'm going to do this completely anecdotally. I think that's being used a lot more now. What do you guys think? I hear it more now. Well, I use it. I use it constantly. And I don't think it's just a function of people saying, well, now you hear it, you know, because you're talking about it. In the past, you didn't. I I don't know.
2: I also use it constantly, and, and I do hear it quite a lot. Now, I... Looked up some things before we talked about this because because this is something I've thought about and I remember maybe four or five years ago this really seemed to be a big deal and NPR was getting a lot of letters about this and so when I looked this up online I found that that it really did kind of hit a fever pitch maybe four or five years ago there were exactly tons yeah and like tons about twenty fourteen twenty
1: fifteen exactly
2: yeah. and so it seemed like there were there were definitely a lot of people bothered by it then. I also found, and maybe you did as well, that uh, the the uh, author, uh, Michael Lewis, uh, says that he thinks it came from the tech world, because apparently this is something that uh, people in tech often use to start out their sentences, to start out explanations and that sort of thing. I I had never th- thought about that. I, I certainly would have never made that connection. I don't have that capability, but, uh, but that's also really interesting to me, and that would also explain... If if that were the case, that would also explain why it seems so much more prominent now.
0: But then we go back to that linguist, that energetic linguist, who did try to do a study of the initial so. And according to him, and it's a very rough and ready sort of analysis because it's a very difficult analysis to do. According to his theory, there is no difference in usage. I can't help it. I think there is. But mm-hmm. I don't have any proof that there is.
1: You see, I, now I'm going to disagree with you. I think that we're just noticing it more. And I, I you, Everybody keeps talking about with the tech thing. Oh, like Mark Zuckerberg. If you listen to anything he's, he talks about, it's almost always begins with the so. I think that, A, it's, as Ross was saying, it's a discourse uh, marker. It's like it's replaced possibly um or well. But I think we're just hearing it more. I really do. Because you get more with the Internet. And I think the Internet is part of this. You get two things. You get more casual writing As opposed to the past that you see like when I write, I I often start with so I was doing blah, 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 and then I blah, blah, which sounds very interesting, doesn't it?
2: You do that in um, your writing?
1: Yeah, I I start writing with so on on social media. I've got to say Uh Uh Uh, on social media more than not. I will start with a so I'll be like, so I was walking down the street and I heard this. And I think because I think when I when I'm on social media, I'm talking, actually, I'm talking, but I'm doing it with my fingers. You know, it sounds very strange, but you know what I mean? I'm typing what I would say. Exactly. And I think that we hear more conversation. Also, we read more conversations of the Internet and we hear more because you play a news clip, you play Zuckerberg talking in the past. I think you would have had it or just be the evening news, say, and it would just be one little clip. So I think in that sense, we're just hearing it more because it's because we're we're able to hear it more, if that makes sense.
2: Right. We're not hearing it more because it's happening more. We're hearing it more because we have more of an opportunity to hear it.
1: That's what I think. That's my that's my personal belief. I have no reason to back. I have nothing to back it up with.
2: Well, you it's do. You do. Um, uh, Ross mentioned that energetic linguist who who has said exactly that.
1: Although now I'm going to
0: throw out something, too. Now, if it if so is replacing um or uh. I noticed something, and I was just looking at, um, there was some website that was laughing at Al Gore. And they have quotes of Al Gore speaking and how he can't speak very well, which I don't think is true, but I'm not talking about that. And they have a quote, and he's going, uh, uh, well, um, I, uh. And I noticed when we say uh, or any of those um, discourse markers, usually we repeat them. It goes in the same sentence. But that's a little sentence.
1: different because those are in the middle of a sentence, Ross. No, usually, those. Well, ums Kathy, and I'm
0: um, I'm trying to say, um, no, the the point. I know. Uh, I keep doing the uh 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 like that, even at the end of a sentence or at the beginning of a new thought. I, I repeat it. We
1: don't repeat so.
0: If we do use
1: so, but I think we say you're saying once. so instead of like well, you know what? More than an um, I don't think it actually is replacing um or uh. I think it's replacing like you know well. I was walking down the street. Now you say so. I was walking down the street.
2: I think it serves way more of a function than something like, um, or, uh, or even well. I think that saying so at the beginning of a sentence uh, helps to bring people into what you're saying. It's almost- That's
1: how I feel. I'm with you.
2: It's almost an, an, uh, a creator of empathy or at least a creator of connection. It's sort of like saying, now I am going to tell you this thing. Right. And
1: precise. That's what I think. That's exactly what I think. There's one linguist, um, uh, Galena Bolden, who says it's it's it starts like the beginning of a topic. It's an inter interactional agenda, she calls it. So it is that it's sort of like a like a come with me into this. Exactly.
2: Come with me into this.
0: And she agreed with Fletcher on the use of the word empathy. She feels that in the modern age, people are more are trying to be more empathetic. And she said that that so in that sense is very empathetic as well, although there's some dispute about that. There's another linguist who claims that it it tends to mark uh, the beginning of a uh, sort of canned discourse.
1: That that one I saw too. I don't get that.
0: He said we you were talking we were talking about that earlier, and he says it's a canned discourse and it's used by politicians in particular. And he was suggesting that a la Blade Runner, it might be a way to sort of distinguish, in one case, androids, in this case, uh, politicians. <laughs> Although, perhaps, I repeat myself, they're probably the same thing.
2: Re- regarding politicians, I-, I watched the Democratic debates uh, the other week, and Elizabeth Warren specifically answered her first three questions with, so, and, Interesting. and then went into what she was saying. Now, I want to say, uh, any politics aside, it felt... It felt entirely genuine. It did not feel like a canned politician response. It felt like she was essentially saying, regarding that question you asked, come in and let me tell you what you know how I feel about that it didn't feel canned it didn't feel I didn't feel like it removed me from anything and maybe that's because we've gotten more used to it but maybe it really is because it doesn't actually remove us from the situation unless we're someone who you know who it grates on when when they hear it
1: I'm wondering though uh, apropos of what Ross was talking about with the canned thing if what it is is like when people use it disingenuously when they're using it like to be fakely folksy you know like the old thing like a politician going to the county fair and eating the the fried butter or whatever, sure.
0: I agree with you. I'm going to add one more thing to it. Another linguist had the idea that we live in a much more fragmented world today. We're on we're on our iPhone while we're talking to someone while the TV is on in the background, and his point is that everything is very fragmented. And his point is, and to it's sort of like a pun, that so sews things back together. It by using it as an incipient uh, word it. It relates things, so it shows that we are paying attention. Again, it goes back to the empathizing idea. It mm-hmm. connects us all in a, in a world where we have very fragmented sentences. For example, our sentence structure, our sentences have gotten much shorter in, in the past 20 years. Than in the old, You read a book from 1820 or 1850 or 1910. <laughs> sentences mm-hmm. are longer. And people presumably spoke in that matter, too. We don't have recordings of them, but I would imagine they did. Now we don't, so we use these discourse uh, markers, like so, to kind of bind things back together in our shorter, fragmented sentences. Maybe it sounds good.
2: Kathy, you said that you use it constantly. So I'm guessing I know your opinion on this, but I'd just like both of you to say, how do you feel about the fact that people use it so much? Are you Does it bother you in, in any way at all? Did it used to bother you and now you're okay? What's your opinion just on, on the use of, of so in this context?
1: It doesn't bother me in the, at all. Not 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 a, there, I have no no reaction to it. I I kind of like it actually. I mean, for me, when I started doing, I, I'm like a big Damon Runyon fan, and I always felt like going like so blah blah blah. It was sort of like the opening of a Damon Runyon story or something. So I think I like it because it seems informal and conversational.
0: I'm a, I'm with Kathy on that, and I sort of like the Yiddish aspect of it as well. Kathy was saying Damon Runyon. I think of Yiddish jokes. A lot of times they begin with so I was walking down the street and. And is I that think it's right? sort of a homey
2: way to begin You're
1: things. right. You're right. Oh,
2: that's fantastic. I mean, I think that really I think that really bolsters the point that we were making.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a embracing we're all together here. Thing. Exactly,
2: and it really brings you in as in here, you know, here is this thing I will now tell you as we are here together. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: One thing I just want to throw in, I was talking to a German friend and then I looked it up. Um In Hess, in Germany, they end a lot of times sentences with so. And he said, and I I read it as well, and he said that coming to Canada was a problem because he hears so at the beginning. And he thinks of it as an end marker, not a beginning marker. So, I mean, that's like a very minor point.
2: No, but that does happen. And and I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it, but I do hear that quite often. Someone will say something like, you know, I went to the store uh, to get some Windex, but they just didn't have any, so... And then that's it. That's the end of the sentence. Oh, uh, as a
1: trailing off thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now I don't know if that's how the Germans use it, but but I hear that as as sort of a trailing off. There is no, there is nothing that comes after that, so it's just yeah. It's a, like a
1: it's like a verbal shrug almost. Like well, yeah.
2: Yep.
0: That's a, I'm gonna look that up. A terminal so that's really interesting.
1: I wonder if there is, because it's true. You're right. I, I hadn't thought of it, Fletcher, but you're, I'm, I'm hearing it in my head now. I'm hearing people go, yeah, you're exactly that. It's like, I went to do this, but I couldn't, so. And it's always like the down, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? It's not like, so. <laughs>
2: and there's clearly nothing that would come after it. It's just the end of the thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an ellipsis comes after it. Yeah,
2: that's what it is.
1: It's also interesting. I just want to throw in
0: a, like a conclusion on this thing. One thing is interesting is we all agree that sew really isn't an um marker particularly. It has a little more, it has more oomph than
1: a uh or
0: um. Do we all agree on that or not?
1: Absolutely. Oh,
2: definitely,
0: yeah.
1: I'm saying, okay, now I just was glancing now, Atlantic Magazine back in 2015, which is obviously 2014, 2015, we, both, we all agree was the height of sewness.
2: It really was. It says,
1: oh, you can't, and no, 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 it's not a natural place to put a sew. Hanging, dangling sews and trailing sews. Then here, a professor of sociology calls it a turn final so. So it's like you're giving the next person, it's the clue for the next person to pick up the conversational ball. Oh, that's interesting. So it is a connector there, too. So they say it's still a discourse marker. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. So if so, say if you're ending the sentence with so, that's that's like, here now... Now, now, now you go. <laughs> You're, yeah. Now well, you you take your so. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I went to the store and you know I couldn't find anything. So and then you go. So you had a really bad day, huh? Or something like that, I guess. Yeah. Exactly.
2: This all seems to be in terms of of conversation, and as you said, Kathy, maybe on social media, a, as we as we try to write conversationally, this certainly isn't anything that we see in print, unless we're approximating conversation. Is that right?
1: It is to me, certainly. I don't know. have you noticed anything, Ross? Because uh, I certainly have not.
2: Initial so
1: used in uh, in print. Uh, we do actually. I just realized that Ross and I in our books do that. I just realized we do, but we write very conversational. Right.
2: So you're still uh, still again, you're, you're trying to get across the feeling of conversation.
1: Yeah, but yeah. we actually we do. I was just thinking because I was just editing something, so it's in there. Mm-hmm. I found one thing that said, um, and this is Ross and I were talking about actually before we started talking with you, Fletcher. This one guy said uh, in his tra- in the foreword to the translation of Beowulf said that the fir- conventional renderings of whar- I can't pronounce it. It's, it's Ross, maybe you can. Oh, I can't. Can I'm not going to do that. it. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to get
1: nails on that. H W A E up together t the first word of the poem they say that most people translate it as literary like low and hark but he said that it should be so and this is beowulf so he's saying beowulf opens with so and so we and begin english language with so basically we're yeah my goodness i want to throw one last
0: thing out we were doing this and this doesn't really relate to it but they were talking about so being an um marker and they were saying how many mistakes people make if you just record people, how many times there are so's, um's, uh's, well's, or whatever. And I, I don't know what kind of linguists these guys were, but they found that if you threaten people with electric shocks, they tend to f- speak far more fluently and with far fewer <laughs> um's, uh's, and so's.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh! <laughs> That was that. That hurt me. <laughs>
0: so I guess we could say if you want to get rid of so's, hook yourself up and
2: get your partner to zap you, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, we were talking about politics just a little bit ago, very briefly. Anyway, uh, another thing that happened uh, over the past couple of weeks was that the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, put out a ruling in a gerrymandering case. And uh, I won't go into the details of that, but of course uh, there was a lot of talk about gerrymandering in the next day or two. Now, the writer, and I I think uh, he's a presidential biographer, John Meacham came out and reminded everybody, uh, whether they knew already or not, that gerrymandering technically should actually have a hard G. And I'm curious how you guys feel about that uh, and uh, about how we all pronounce it now, because we clearly all say gerrymandering and not gerrymandering.
0: Well, I, I mean, words change. The guy's name was Elbridge Gerry.
2: The guy it was named after the, I believe he was a governor, maybe of Massachusetts, right? Um,
0: and he was uh, guilty or of of gerrymandering. I'm going to say, and, I mean, his he gave his name to the uh, the process, and it comes from his name and salamander mushed together and it became gerrymandering i have no problem with changing um a name to fit a word do you guys
1: no not at all well i mean i go back to the big thing for i mean w- which we had in the and you're saying around the book was dr seuss who was actually it was his mother's maiden name and it was soyce it was pronounced and that's what it should have been and everyone called it seuss because of how it's spelled and he himself went along with dr seuss so, I mean, if, if it's your own name that you're using and that's mispronounced and you have no problem with it, I don't see why anyone should should be such a stickler that you go, but it was Gary.
2: Definitely at this point, I mean, nearly everyone everyone except John Meacham says gerrymandering and not gerrymandering. What would you think about someone you were speaking with who did actually say gerrymandering?
1: Personally, I would probably immediately think he was wrong. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but my my initial reaction because I wouldn't, I didn't know about Gary. I, had, I didn't even think about the word gerrymandering. And if someone said gerrymander, I'd think, what's he saying? You know, I might be polite about it, but I would think wrong. Have you ever heard anyone say gerrymander, Ross? Never. I have never heard anyone yeah. say gerrymander.
0: And I agree with Kathy. I would presume the person doesn't know what they're talking about.
1: It reminds me—I I might have mentioned this before—of of GIF, uh, as we've talked about the word GIF, the computer, you know, graphics. Oh, that's the your pet it It's a pet peeve of mine. Oh, we're
2: about to get so many letters. <laughs>
1: I know this is, but it's true. He said it's—he said it should be pronounced GIF. I would never, if anyone said GIF, I would—I would think they were nuts. But I mean, the guy who invented the word says it's GIF. I say GIF. I mean you go back to this is a case where i think the if i mean in fairness i should say i should say gif but i can't cuz everybody i've ever heard says gif so then we go back to gerrymander it everybody says gerrymander
0: languages are democratic to some degree people vote with their with their mouths and i think we've all basically dis- decided the word is gerrymander and elbridge gary is dead anyway so he can't really object <laughs>
2: This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. I would say, or wherever else you're listening. But I guess it turns out ratings and reviews aren't things you can do on other platforms. We've had some people telling us they haven't been able to do that through their Androids or through other podcast apps. I'm an Apple user, so I don't really know about that. But if you happen to know of other places you can leave ratings and reviews, let us know. And if you do happen to be on Apple Podcasts, please do just take thirty seconds and leave us like a one-sentence review that raises our profile in their system and helps other people find us. And if you can't do that, well, be sure to tell your friends about us. Anyway, the book You're Saying It Wrong was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They've got a number of other things either coming out soon or in the works, and you can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. Kathy and Ross and I often have random tangents to our conversations that we never have any intention of including in the finished podcast, so a lot of stuff ends up on the cutting room floor— Well, actually, this is all digital, so technically there's nothing on the floor. But whatever. I hadn't really meant for this to be in the podcast when I brought it up, but while we were chatting, Ross mentions a term that I think is pretty interesting, so I'm going to go ahead and give you this little clip from our off-podcast talking. I guess you could call it a deleted scene or something. So here's that. I hope you had a decent Independence Day or Canada Day or any other day you may have been celebrating this week, and we'll talk to you soon. this I can't I can't believe that I haven't heard more people complaining about this but I often will start a sentence with I mean even though I'm not like like you'll say Fletcher what do you think about that and I'll say I mean and then I'll go on to what I'm saying have you noticed that
1: actually yeah when you first said it I thought no I haven't but when you said it I, I realize that I do. I think a lot of times we block those things out mm-hmm. in a weird way. Like like when Ross was talking before, he kept saying um and uh ah, and I, I don't really listen to the ums and uhs. Right. And I think with the I means, I didn't realize it, but yeah, you do do that. I Not do. Not you, but many do.
2: Oh, I, I, yeah, and I do uh, often. Yeah. Yeah, that's a
0: cognitive hey. marker. Technically, that's called a, in the discourse marker, that's a cognitive marker of the discourse marker rephrasing showing the cognitive thought process of the person but i mean i, I do it all the time too i just realized that
1: <laughs> yep that's so cool. i don't think i do i'm wondering now
0: well i think we're more cognitive than you <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs>
2: That cognitive marker it's basically like uh, to, to to express that we are thinking or to express that we are having thoughts. What what does that mean? Yeah, like it's our process of thought.
0: Exactly.
1: But I thought that they were doing that when they're rephrasing.
2: It is. It's I rephrasing thought that I mean
1: the thought like, process. Yeah, like you're saying like you know, so I was walking down the street, I mean the the that the street over there, blah blah no, blah. No, I don't I mean I it saw... that way.
2: I I don't mean it in, in a in a way like where we're rephrasing something. What I mean is that that's how I start the sentence. I, uh,
1: no, I'm saying when Ross though, when, okay. when it's, when it's okay. a cognitive marker, I thought oh, perhaps I, wrongly, I, see what you're I thought saying, that it Kath, was when it,
0: Yeah.
1: But I okay. think it does, but it, I think it refers Fletcher's using it as an um and or, uh, or a just almost as, as, an as a so,
2: almost as almost in the place of so. Yeah. I think yeah. so, but
0: I think that refers it's it's an it's still an incipient. I think it's showing you that you're
1: thinking. I I think it does actually. So then why isn't so a cognitive marker? Huh?
0: I think actually so is a cognitive marker I think it does show your thinking
1: I think it
2: kind of does but I think it also expresses that you already have the thought Mm -hmm. and, and you're about to express that thought
0: the process of thinking